Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastside.co. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Man, Michael, I was amazed at the songs, choices this morning. It always blows me away when I see the message of God on the screen in front of me before you know what the message is. I just think that's pretty incredible of our Lord. This morning, what I want to do is I want to make sure, because of the influence of a father, the first thing I want us to understand is that that, that we have influence. As, as men, as fathers, you, you have influence, and that can be good influence or it can be bad influence. You know, uh, we understand that the wounds of a father somehow are magnified over the wounds of a mother. I don't know what it is about fatherly wounds, but they seem to be deep and, and, and deeper, especially for little girls even. You know, I got a I got a little poem here that I got from someone, uh, Judy Tarbo, I think is uh, I think is the author, and obviously she had a troubled childhood, as some do, or as far as her relationship with her dad. I think his birthday was on Father's Day, I guess, right? So I wish you happy birthday and happy Father's Day. Each one hard to do throughout the years. I've come to know and acknowledge that you did give as a dad. You did give as a dad. You did love. I did try, though, to avoid your influence in my genes. <laughs> Sometimes you wish your kid would avoid your influence in the genes, right? Thankfully, I inherited your spunk, which has driven me to make both good and bad choices. You brought hell on earth, but you surrendered it in your last days for heaven. A, prof- a prayer fulfilled of your wife and my mom. These two wishes easily given by your grandchildren, my children, and unspoken by me. That powerful spunk of yours allowed you 78 birthdays. It drew me to people who demonstrated this trait. Thank you, Daddy. I've not wanted to love you, but I did and I do. Amen. Amen. Pretty good stuff. We're going to read James chapter 1. We're going to open up with the kind of father that we can depend on. How many of you are thankful for the mercy of God? Are you thankful for the mercy of God that he hasn't left you? that he didn't abandon you, that he hasn't forsaken you? How many of you feel like, like your pastor, that you deserve being forsaken? Would, would you say, if I got what I deserved, he would have left me a long time ago. But because he loved me and because he is who he is, because he's a good father, he didn't abandon me even when I deserved to be abandoned. That's the mercy of God. 
He's a merciful God. If I could get you to kill the lights for a second, can you kill the lights for a second? Everything. This is my favorite light. It's bright, isn't it? What happened to it? There it is. See, it's bright. Isn't that bright? Look what it does to the darkness. I mean, you can shine that on me. You see it varying? See if I can get it to work like it's supposed to. There. See, it varies. That's varying light. All right. Thank you. Just wanted to illustrate variation. This is what it says about God. Unlike your earthly father that you might that might variate, <laughs> you don't know what kind of mood he's going to be in when he wakes up out of the bed. That's variation. Wouldn't you agree? You don't know what you're going to get sometimes when he gets up. You ever seen that? Our, our heavenly father is not a variation. He, he doesn't vary. Eight. He is steadfast. He is faithful. He is steady. Look at what it says in James chapter 1, verse 17. It says this. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, which whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of fruit, first fruits that we would begin to emulate who he was. He's the Father of lights. One of the things that I want you to understand about God's design is that he created us as fathers and as men, of course, as women and as mothers, to emulate who he is. To, to, he, he's got this pathway of progress where he does this. He did it with his disciples, and he's doing it with us. He does it with his word. It's where he exemplifies something. This is the way, this is his leadership style. He shows you how, and then he assigns you the task, and then he empowers you to do the task, and then if you will depend on him, he gives you the strength to accomplish the task. He does it every time. That's, the, that's his mode of operation. And so he says that he is the father of light, this unchanging that doesn't vary. Now, what you've got to understand about God is, is that you've got to learn to, to shove down your views of humanity and our frailties and understand that God, that Jesus is immovable. He is unshakable. He's not like the sun. He's not like the moon. His light is steadfast and it's steady. You can count on it. What do you mean he's not like the sun or the moon? The moon's pretty steady. We think of that. But how many of you have hydrangeas? How many know what a hydrangea is? How many men know what a hydrangea is? Okay, I'm questioning your manhood right here, right, right off the bat. I'm kidding. I know what one is too, so you have to be manly. <laughs> Hydrangeas have to have a certain amount of shade. So you place them in a place where, where the sun moves and it puts them in the shade because the sun is, has variations. It moves across the sky. It's not in the same place all the time. Matter of fact, it disappears. 
The same is true for light. There, it has, sometimes you look at a picture and you look at it or you look at something and the light's on it different. Even in the wintertime, you notice that the sun is lower and so things look a little bit different because the sun is different. God is not like that. He doesn't vary. He set the sun in place. He set the stars in place, but they vary and he doesn't. He is dependable father. You don't have to worry about what he's thinking or you don't have to worry about what he thinks of you because he loves you. He has a heart toward you. He sings over you. He wants you to prosper and not to harm you. You don't have to worry about that. That will not vary. He says about you that he will never leave you or forsake you. I'm so thankful for the mercy of God that no matter what happens or what I do or the choices I make, he will never leave me or forsake me. Praise your name, Jesus. He's immovable. He's unshakable. His love is always shining on me he's the light of the world and that light shines in the darkness look at look at colossians chapter 1 verse 13 colossians chapter 1 verse 13 i've got a lot of scripture today and i've got a lot of marks colossians chapter 1 verse 13 He never changes. He, let me get to Hebrews 13, 8, and then we'll come back to Colossians. Hebrews 13, 8 says, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Say that to somebody beside you. He never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means that it is impossible for God to change. I want you to hear me on this. You need to really get a hold of this. If he did miracles... For Moses, you tracking with me? He didn't quit because he is the miraculous God. If he raised someone from the dead, he's still the one who raises from the dead. Even, even bringing back to life physically, there are documented cases all over. Even in America now, we've had a several documented cases of people being raised from the dead. If, he's, if he healed in the past, if he came to the person that was at the uh, pool and said, what do you have me do? And he says, Would you, what do you want me to do? Well, I don't want to be healed. Then take up your mat and walk. If he did that then, he is the same Right? You need to grab a hold of that. If it's in Scripture and it's a promise of God, you know what he says about you? If you'll do the Word, if you'll do the Word, if you'll know the Word and you'll do the Word, he says about you that you will make your way prosperous. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So you can count on the fact that if you'll do that, that God will do that. So he, he doesn't change. So now let's go to Colossians uh, chapter 1, verse 13. He says this. He's the father of light. Every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from him. 
And he also says in Colossians 13 that he has delivered you from the power of darkness and conveyed you into the kingdom of, of, of the son of his love. In, in the uh, NIV, it says he has transferred you into the kingdom of light. In other words, he is the father of light. He shines light into the darkness so that everything that is not of him, it gets, it gets that light that I just shined. And it, it shines hard. And it says here in Colossians that the darkness couldn't comprehend it. It says he did, the darkness don't know what to do with it. It overtakes the darkness. It overcomes the darkness. Light always overcomes the darkness. When you have a light in a room, and you have no light in the closet, and you open the door, it doesn't get dark in the room. It gets light in the closet. He is the father of light. He shines the truth on a lie. He, he brings light to darkness. And then he says about you and me that he transfers us from this kingdom of darkness where we are slaves to darkness and he transfers us to the kingdom of light. He moves us from one place to the other. So you are no longer a person of darkness but a person of light. Amen? So you have the ability to respond with the light. And what does the light always do? The light always casts out the darkness because the darkness can't comprehend it. So what does that say about you? If you've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, you have the ability to cast out darkness in your life. It's already been transferred to you. It's already there. Well, what do you have to do? You have to make application. You have to apply what Jesus has already done. He has transferred you for darkness to light. So God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He gives us good, and he gives us perfect gifts from above, and he transfers us from that darkness into light. Ephesians chapter 5 if you've got your Bible, verse 8. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. If you've got your phones, you're probably quicker. I'm in the New King James Version. I just said that, y'all. If you've got your phones, you're quicker, but you can't underline it. <laughs> Ephesians 5, 8. For you were once darkness. Y'all really need to see how this is written. It doesn't say you were once in darkness. You were once darkness. You were part of that team. You were in that camp. But now <laughs> you are light. You were once darkness, and now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but expose them. Expose them. 
You were once darkness. You were part of team darkness. (laughs) And now you're part of team light. And your job is to not cave into team darkness again and join them. But your job is to expose them. Because the light always exposes the darkness and it can't comprehend it. Remember last week we talked about loving people and being patient and tolerant. And and that was a difficult message. But that exposes darkness. If you can operate that way, meekness is power under control. You don't have to be, you don't have to be, um, belligerent or forceful with your personality to to penetrate darkness, although sometimes you need to take it by force. Oftentimes it's our our humility before God that brings the light and the darkness can't do nothing with it. It can't comprehend it. It It doesn't know how to respond. So he transfers us out of this influence of darkness into the ability to shine light to expose darkness. Isn't that a beautiful thing? So Jesus, the father of light, the one who knows truth, the one who is unchanging, rescues us from team darkness, empowers us, transfers us into the kingdom of of light and then gives us instruction to be exposures, exposers, exposers of darkness by the way we live, not by what we say. You expose the darkness by responding like God. I want to go back to the idea of aren't you glad that the mercy of God was poured out on you? Aren't you glad that even though, even after you were a believer, that you didn't get what you deserved, that the mercy of God was poured out? Don't you think mercy triumphs over Judgment, because God says it would, and he operates in that mode of operation. He has transferred in the, from one mode of operation, and that is the operation of darkness. He has transferred you and me, if we've received him as our Lord, into that camp that exposes darkness by emulating who he is. And so we get born again, and we come into his family, and he trans us from that kingdom of darkness into that kingdom of light. And the thing that I love about our Lord is he doesn't leave us there expecting us to be able to accomplish the task. He doesn't, he doesn't leave us there and say, all right, now you got it. I didn't, I'm going to transfer you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Now go ahead, knock yourself out. He didn't, aren't you glad he doesn't do that? But what he actually does is he empowers us to begin to be successful. We talked about Wednesday night when they built the tabernacle. He tells, he tells Moses, he says, look, 
He says, I'm, I'm going to fill this dude this guy, this ability to, to mold things with his hands, to work with his hands. I'm going to fill him with the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to give him architectural skills. Say that real fast three times. I'm going to give him architectural skills to begin to fashion the vision that I'm putting in his head. I'm going to, I'm going to give him this vision to do this task, and then... I'm going to put my spirit on him so that he can actually accomplish it. And that's what he says about me and you. He says, every good and every perfect gift comes down from above. Now, that word good means everything that lines up with God, everything moral, everything that, that is truthful, everything good, everything that lines up with the nature of God can only come from God. And every perfect thing actually means maturity. So, so every time that you begin to respond the way God wants you to respond, that word perfect means that he, it comes down from him. Your ability to mature and respond like God, it actually comes down from him. Every good and perfect gift comes down from him. And the, and, the, and so and so we're in his kingdom and we're doing his work and and these gifts are coming and we're being developed in the ways of God in the nature of God and then he says now I got a task for you you go be the light I'm the father of lights but you're the son of light you're the daughter of the light so go be light now listen. You don't have to do it by yourself. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm going to be with you. Not only that, but I've got this really neat thing that I'm going to do. There's, there's this age, and it's called the church age. And I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and daughters, they're going to get visions from me. They're going to see dreams that I give them. And they're going to prophesy. And they're going to be able to operate in the miraculous. I'm going to pour that out. And it's to your advantage that I go away because if I don't go away, that can't happen. And so not only am I going to do it to specific individuals, I'm going to do it to everyone who calls on my name. Everyone that I transfer from the enemy's camp of darkness into the camp of God, the kingdom of light, has the potential and the opportunity to operate in kingdom. And I'm going to empower them to do so. I'm going to give them vision to do so. And I'm not going to abandon them. I'm going to empower them to do it. That's amazing to me. And then the father of lights who is about to empower us and about to give us a call to go out and be the light of the world. He says this about us fathers. He says, you being a father who know how to give good gifts to your children even though that you're evil, how much more will your heavenly father give you the Holy Spirit for those who ask? I'm going to give you the power to accomplish the task. What's the task? Go be the light. 
because I'm the father of lights. Now, that's good. When we were in Israel, there was a city, and it was Tiberia. And it's on the western north side of the Sea of Galilee. Mostly the west, but, you know, kind of the north end of the Sea of Galilee. And if you've ever been to Israel or if you ever see pictures or you can go to Google Maps or whatever it is and pull it up and, and view it. But it, the, the, the mountain range comes right up out of the sea on all sides. It's absolutely gorgeous. There's no trees. It looks like you're in, you know, maybe Arizona with a big lake, except it's the mountains that just come out, and, and it's beautiful. It's actually, Arizona's a little redder than Israel. Israel's a little whiter, you know, and, and it's just, it comes out, and it's just rocky ground coming out of there. And, and, and Tiberias is it's built on, on this hill. And Jesus used to spend all his time in Capernaum, or a lot of his time in Capernaum, and right there at Capernaum is the, is the Mount where Jesus teaches on the Beatitudes, where he gets in the boat and the crowd's up on the bank, and he begins to teach them all the Beatitudes, if, you've, if you're familiar with that. Anybody familiar with the Beatitudes? It's, it's you know, in, in most of the Gospels, um, the Beatitudes are there. So you can, you can see them where Jesus goes, you know, uh, blessed is the man who this. You know, he goes, blessed is the person who, he goes through a whole, whole group of stuff. But it's sitting right there on that mount where he's, and, and it's right across the lake. And so I imagine there were candles that lit right now. There's, of course, electricity. But no matter what, at night, you're going to be able to see lights on the side of this hill from Capernaum. And he looked up at this place, and he says, you see what a believer is supposed to be like? He's supposed to be a light on a hill that shines where you can see it from great distances. And what you do with that light is you don't put a basket over it so you can't see it. You hold it up high and you put it on a candlestick so that it illuminates the darkness and then bring glory to me. And Jesus gives us that command in Matthew. Look with me, if you would. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. Say that with me. You are the light. Why don't you say it to the person beside you? You are the light of the world. That's good right there. I like that. A city that's set on a hill that cannot be hidden. 
Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but put it on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light show so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And so you see this progression. You see this progression of of the Father of lights, where every good and perfect gift comes down from heaven, one that you can count on, one that there's no variation. That light is always going to be the same, and it's always going to be steady. You can count on the Father to always be emotionally stable. He's not mad. He's not a grump. He's a loving, caring, just father that's tender and merciful and gracious. He's always tender, merciful, and gracious. He cannot not be tender, merciful, and gracious is who he is, and you can count on him. And then he's, and then he's going, he's going to, he's going to make you like him. He's going to call you to that task, and then he's going to empower you to do the task, and then he's going to allow you to bring light to the darkness, and that brings glory to him by being like him. So let's go back to the original thought. Fathers can influence in a lot of different ways. We have a lot of people that come to church that come from good families. They've had a good father. They're in a good family. They've got a, a wife and a mother and their children and pretty normal, whatever normal looks like. But they still need spiritual fathers. We still need to be fathers and mothers to these children. It's what the church was designed to do, to be fathers and mothers. But we also have people from incredibly broken backgrounds in this church. We have mothers trying to raise their children without a father, even in the picture. And there is more and more of fatherless families in our nation, in our culture, than ever before. It is absolutely a travesty at the condition of our society. And the call of the church is to father these children, is to be spiritual mothers to these children. So I'm not leaving the mothers out today. I'm calling us to be the church in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6, God says, this word, these, these instructions that I've given you in this word, this, this picture of what the light looks like, I, I command you today that you, they shall be in your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall not 
you shall bind them as a sign on your head, and they shall be frontals between your eyes. <laughs> put it right here, man, in the front lobe. You shall put all my precepts and who I am and, and, and what I've commanded in my kingdom, the kingdom of light, to, to what it's supposed to look like. You put all that in your front of your head and you write it on your doorpost and you, you make your house that way. Well, let me just tell you, fathers, you can tell the spiritual temperature of a church by the spiritual temperature of the men. If the women are leading spiritually, there's an issue. If the, if the women are the ones, which they do a great job, but if they're the only ones that are teaching their children the ways of God, there's an issue. I'm talking about teaching them the word. God gives that instruction to men. Jesus had many women around him who he depended on in his ministry, but he called the men. And he said, men, be fathers. That's exactly right. We've got 80 children. At least in the back on a given Sunday. Between 60 and 100 every week. They need fathers. They need spiritual fathers. They need mothers. We have people with broken homes that don't have any idea about Scripture, that their marriages aren't really good. Their families are, are trying, but they just don't get it. They're just not quite making it, or maybe they just need help, or maybe they just need encouragement. But we need fathers and mothers to father and mother our children. If we're not taking care of that as a church, we're failing the Lord. And it needs to be an incredibly high level. And let me just say, no one is immune. You know, I, I hear it all the time about people saying, well, I've already paid my dues. No, you haven't. You haven't paid your dues. Well, I don't have a gift. Your gift is fatherhood. And it doesn't take much. You just need to go to work and be fathers and mothers. Listen, if we can change our nation, it's not going to be the generation necessarily in this room, although it does move it somewhere. It's the generation in that room right over there. And God says to you and me, be the light. Show them how. Teach them. Don't just sit in here and soak up teaching and do nothing. Minister to the kids. Minister to the children. I can almost hear. I can almost hear and see the picture of the kids running to Jesus without fathers or in terrible situations. And the disciple says, no, 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 y'all don't go in there. Don't go in. And Jesus said, let him come. Let him come. He wants to teach him. Now, I'm be I believe 
<laughs> Everybody that I've gotten in children's ministry in the last seven years has thought, that ain't my gig, man. That's pretty much it. That's not my gig. Tony Durkin, did you think that kids' ministry was your gig? You didn't, did you? They love you, brother. They think you're the greatest. They can tell when you leave, they tell their mama and daddy everything that Mr. Tony said. They remember it all. He never thought that he could communicate with kids on their level. He's not a father. To his own son. He's a granddaddy. Sort of. Kind of. Married granddaddy. But he's fathering these kids. Jesus transforms us. Moves us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. He shows us his mercy and he shows us his grace. He shows us his nature. He gives us good gifts. He gives us perfect gifts. He matures us. He grows us up. He, he sends his Holy Spirit. He gives us an assignment and he empowers us to do the task. He moves us, translates us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And he says, listen, you might not be gifted right now, but I can empower you to minister to the next generation and they can change the world. Go be fathers. Be fathers. Be mothers. We've got a lot of young women. Have y'all seen our young women? They're incredible. They're incredible. Our young men are incredible. Incredible potential. Wonder if they never made stupid decisions to follow the world. Wonder if they were baptized in the Holy Spirit at eight and never left God. Wonder if their ministry was so powerful that it changed our nation because they were anointed by God by the investment of a father at his side church. God doesn't just be the light so that we can feel good. He says, be changed by the light and then go be the light. I really want to have the boldest, most creative, not creative in entertainment-wise, creative in expressing the creativity of the Most High God. I want to have the most uh, spirit-filled, aggressively pursuing children's ministry in Charlotte. Who's going to do it? Right now, honestly, if it wasn't for our college students, I don't know what we'd be doing. Praise the Lord for them. We can give them a big clap for serving. But we need some of you old, gray-haired granddaddies to love on our children and to be fathers. We need some of you old, gray-haired grandmamas 
Amen. He just said that. He really did. And everybody heard it. Yes, just covering. Yes, just covering. I'm so challenged every day that Father's Day comes around because I know that my son and my daughter and my granddaughters are going to emulate me because they, they respect me. They look to me. What, is, what are they going to see? What about our church family? What do, what do they see? Do, do we really care about other people's kids? Or are we just going to sit back and say, those are the wildest, most crazy kids I've ever met. Just talk about how bad their parenting skills are. Or are we going to be fathers and mothers? That's the challenge from the Lord today. How are we going to do? Are you gifted? I don't know. Are you willing? Do you believe that God can empower you? And are you, are, are you, are you going to invest? Are you going to be light? I hope so. I hope so. That's good right there now. I love the silence. I made everybody in the room just terribly uncomfortable. <laughs> I really want to ask. I want you to ask. I want you to stop. I want you to ask the Lord with honesty. I want you to say to him, Lord, if they need me, I'll go. And I want you to say that with an open heart. If they need me, that's what Tony Durkin said, wherever you need me, pastor, whatever you need, I'll, I'll give the word of God to anybody that's willing to listen. <laughs> and say, Lord, I'm willing. Ask the Lord right now. Let's close our eyes. Father, Lord, we just really, I, I just pray that you examine our hearts. I pray that we not resist, and I pray that it not just be pressure from a preacher. But I pray, God, that we would begin to fulfill our destiny. God, you know what you want to do as far as bringing revival to a city, as far as bringing revival to a nation. And you've always used, God, the generations. And, and it was prophesied about our worship leader that he, he would be a, a person who could reach generations. And Father, we just want to be a light. You've assigned us to be the light to the next generation. I pray that we do it in our homes. I pray, God, that we do it at our church. And then I pray, God, we do it to our community. But God, we've got to take 
care of business at home. And I pray that you would enlighten us and you would teach us and that we would be subject to it. That we have the power to cast out darkness because we are sons and daughters of the light. Let us walk in that in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Why don't we stand together? Once again, thank you for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, please visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.